demonstrating in Scripture something he'll demonstrate over and over and over again. Amen. The premium is on the firstborn, but the blessings of God often go to the secondborn because God wants you to understand something. you got to be born again to get the blessings of God in your life. He blesses that second birth. Amen. He blesses that place where you come and you lay a carnal man on an altar and Esau dies and Jacob rises up and takes a hold of the blessings of God. I said I wasn't going to do it. I have a hard time just talking about the goodness of God. Something in me gets stirred up. Amen. Something in me gets worked up when I start to think of his goodness. Amen. So from Jacob, those people who would be the people that God would use to bring the promise of Abraham to fruition in the world, those people, the Israelites, would come from Jacob. God has chosen him to be the avenue through which his blessing will flow to the whole world. God also assured Jacob at Bethel that he would abide with him. I'm going to be with you. There's no greater promise to people of faith than the abiding presence of God. Give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Amen. I don't have to have anything as long as I know that he is with me. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 15. The Lord said to Jacob, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest uh, and will bring thee again unto this. You're leaving right now the land of promise, but just understand you may sojourn uh, at Laban's house, but you're not going to be buried there. You're coming back again. Uh, I'm going to bring you back to this land, uh, and I'm not going to leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Uh, amen. I'm going to put my presence on you, and I'm going to put my blessings on you, and I'm going to go with you and yeah you're going to walk through a difficult period Jacob is about to walk through a trying period of his life uh, but before he ever enters that path uh, God said I want you to know I'm going with you uh, and I'm bringing you out of that amen amen that's where you're going to find yourself living uh, for a little while that's where you're going to find yourself living for the next 14 years or so uh, but I want you to understand before you go into it uh, you're coming out of it uh, and I'm going to be with you through it. Amen. Jacob had not yet reached the pinnacle of his life-changing experience with God. He had just started on that journey, and, and he hasn't reached that prayer of deliverance that we're here to talk about tonight. But God has met him here, him here as he's fleeing his brother and has renewed with him the holy covenant that he made with Abraham and has promised to abide with him forever. Jacob has now turned a corner in his life. He's now headed down a different path uh, than what he was home before. Amen. And he's headed down a path that's going to bring him to blessing, uh, that's going to bring him to the presence of God and the goodness of God in his life. At the heart of it all, Jacob desires the same things that we all desire from God. He desires God's presence, God's protection, and God's 
provision. Oh, how we need the blessing of the presence of God in our lives. Uh, we don't understand, uh, amen, what we need in this journey of life. We don't have any idea, amen, what tomorrow is going to hold. Uh, but God understands, uh, and we need guidance. Uh, we need his direction. Uh, we need him to be with us uh, through every season of our lives. Uh, he knows what we need uh, before we ever ask it. Uh, amen. And he will direct our paths uh, if we'll trust him uh, and follow him. I'm not going to chase this rabbit, but I want to really bad. Amen. Uh, the Lord, uh, when Job was going through his trial, I'm going to see if I can find a U-turn down there and get back to this message. When the Lord was, when Job was going through his trial, amen, Job chapter 23 and verse 8, uh, amen, Job said, I, I, I looked for God and I couldn't find him. He said, I looked before me and he was not there. And he said, I looked behind me and he was not there there. And in verse 10 or verse 9, he said, I looked on my left hand, uh, amen, and I saw the work of God there, but I couldn't see God. Uh, I knew he'd been at work in my life, uh, but I couldn't find him. I could see his fingerprints. Uh, I could see the evidence that had been there, but I couldn't find him. I turned to my right hand, Job said, and God hid himself from me. But in verse 23, or verse 10, I mean, chapter 23, verse 10, Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. Just because I can't see him doesn't mean he can't see me. Just because I don't know what he's doing doesn't mean he doesn't know what I'm doing. Just because I don't know where he is doesn't mean he doesn't know where I am. He knows right where I am. He knows right what I'm going through. Amen. He's got his eye on me. He's looking over me. And there's nothing as precious to me in this whole world as the abiding presence of God. Even when I can't find him. Amen. We need not only God's presence in our lives. We also need his protection. Amen. He's the one who's able to keep us safe and secure in all of our ways. We, we may not, we will not be able to avoid every painful circumstance in life. We will not be able to avoid every difficult trial and trouble and, and, and the many tragedies that will befall us. Uh, that's just the way of life. Uh, amen. That's the human condition. Uh, amen. We won't be able to avoid all of that. Uh, but we can rest assured uh, of God's presence uh, and God's protection uh, through times of pain and trouble. That's that's what God promised Jacob. Uh, when you go through all of that, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make a way of escape for you. I'm going to be watching over you. Amen. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God, he will provide your needs. Uh, amen. If you'll seek first his presence, uh, he's going to take. That doesn't mean that you don't have to work. Amen. That doesn't mean you don't have to put forth the effort to provide for yourself. Uh, the scripture teaches us to be responsible. Amen. It teaches us to work and, and to provide for our families. Uh, but it does mean that when it gets to the place where 
I can't provide anymore. Brother Donnie, when the money runs out, when the resources are gone, amen, when there's nothing left to stand on, uh, the God uh, that holds me in his hand, uh, he makes up the difference. Uh, he stretches the dollar. Uh, he makes a way where there seemed to be no way. He opens a door uh, that no man could open uh, because of his abiding presence in my life. Amen. Jacob demonstrated his commitment to God and his response to that promise with three actions. First of all, he pursued a close relationship with God. Jacob suddenly realized what he'd been missing up to that point. All of his pursuit of blessing and material provision and inheritance and wealth, he had missed the most important thing in the world. And that's God. And all of a sudden, Jacob realized he's not content just to sit back and enjoy whatever blessings life brings his way. He's seeking out the presence of God. He's going to follow hard after God. Uh, he's going to chase God with everything he's got. Uh, with the same passion uh, that deceives his brother uh, out of his birthright. With the same passion uh, that carries him into his father's deathbed uh, and deceives him into blessing him. Jacob's going to go after God uh, with everything he has. The second thing he did was he established a place of worship. He built a memorial in that place, an altar unto the Lord, a place of worship, recognizing God met me here. You need to build some monuments in your life. Now, I'm not saying you need to get 12 stones smooth from the river, not never touched by tools of man, and stack them in your yard. Amen. But you need to build some monuments in your life uh, of the times when God met you and when God blessed you and when God provided for you and when you didn't know where to turn uh, and he showed you uh, that he knows the way that you take. Uh, amen. Because there are going to come moments when just like Job, you're not going to be able to find him. And doubt's going to come in. And doubt's going to try to convince you God didn't really promise you that. Hey Amen. This is this is all a bunch of hype that you've been living. You've been on the hype train all these years. Amen. And in those moments, it's going to matter that you built some memorials uh, that you can go back to and say, "What meaneth these stones? Uh, these stones mean uh, that one day when I didn't deserve it, uh, when I was on the run, uh, God met me here. He changed my life." You guys aren't going to let me get done with this if you don't stop making me keep running off like that. Amen? The third thing that he did was Jacob committed his finances to God. It's going to get real quiet in here. Jacob promised God the tithe of all of his increase, of everything that God would give to Jacob. Jacob promised to give a tenth of it back to God. Not because God needs your money, but because the way that you overcome the, the, the greed and stuff that this world, the attachment to things of this world that this life tries to put on you is by giving to God his portion. Amen. It says, I recognize money isn't my God. Amen. My checkbook isn't my God. Uh, the things that I own uh, are that own me. Amen. They're not my God. Uh, amen. I put God first. Uh, 
in all things. Uh, amen. It's a long, long old saying. Amen. But it's a true saying. Your pocketbook will always tell you where your heart is. A heart that pursues God will bless the work of God. And a heart that pursues the things of this life will expend itself in those pursuits and have nothing left over for God. Listen, God's not interested in your leftovers. He just wants you to put him first. And this is what he said. If you give me the 10%, I'll take the 90%. And I'll make it where I'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And you'll do more with 90% than you could have done with 100%. How many can testify that's true? Amen. After his encounter with God at Bethel, Jacob went on to his uncle's house. And I'm, I've done, I've gone longer already than I meant to go. If you'll bear, I'm not even to Jacob's prayer of deliverance yet. If you'll bear with me, I, I'm going to briefly tell the story. Jacob, of course, he fell in love with Rachel, the youngest daughter of Laban. You know the story. And he made a contract with Laban. He worked for him for seven years in exchange for seven years of hard labor. Laban would give him his daughter, Rachel. But on the wedding night, Jacob reaped some of what he'd been sowing. It all starts coming home. You think you can get away with it. But you mark my words, God is not a liar. Amen. And the word of God says you reap what you sow. And it comes right back to Jacob. And he wakes up that morning and discovers that in his bed is Leah instead of Rachel. And so Jacob has to work another seven years and, and earn Rachel's hand in marriage. And, and, and surely by now Jacob's feeling the the experience of what it means to be deceived. He's reaping, he's recognizing what he's done and the wrong of what happened in his life. But God's blessings are still on him. And through all of that, God blesses Jacob. He blesses, uh, he, he shows up in the productivity of the quality of, of Jacob's herds, even to the point of provoking Laban's anger. And jealousy. And Laban accused Jacob of doing some kind of sorcery or something because his cattle were multiplying and his cattle were strong, but Laban's cattle were weak. Amen. It's the difference. The difference of walking with God and not walking with God. But Laban doesn't understand that. And so after 20 years, I said 14, but uh, there was a few years before and a few years after. After 20 years of working for Laban, it was time for Jacob to move on. Laban was had reached his wit's end. He was about to deal unjustly with Jacob. And so Jacob takes his family, and the Lord tells him, Go home. I'm bringing you back. Go back to your homeland. And so Jacob begins his journey. And as he begins that journey, he sends messengers ahead of him to let Esau know he's coming. You don't want to go home and surprise the brother that's wanting to kill you. Amen. You kind of would like to get some word ahead of time what his disposition is. And so the messengers come back and they tell Jacob, Esau is coming out to meet you. Him and 400 men. Oh, my goodness. How Jacob's heart must have sunk. 
the trouble that he fled would now have to be confronted. You think you put it behind you, but honey, you got to deal with it one way or another. Amen. Jacob was immediately worried. His life had been changed by the presence of God, but all the blessings of God had been there, but now he demonstrates again his lack of faith. He's afraid that Esau is going to take his life, and and he becomes afraid for himself and his family. And he's ready to get serious with God in prayer. Why is it with human nature that we often wait until we're in the worst of circumstances before we decide to get serious about prayer? Now I'm gonna let, if I go down that trail, I won't ever get back. I'm just going to let that one hang right there. Amen. It's our tendency. It's our tendency to neglect the thing that really matters, where our strength really is, until such a time as we're in desperate straits. And that's where Jacob finds himself. And in verse 9, he begins to pray. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. What's Jacob doing? He's reminding himself, uh, I'm in the will of God here. I'm walking where God told me to walk. Uh, he's reminding God uh, that I'm on this journey, God, because you told me to take these steps. Uh, you told me to go back home. Uh, amen. And so he's reminding God. Now, God doesn't need reminding. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to remind God so we can remember ourselves. Lord, you set me on this course. You ordered my footsteps. You told me to go this way. In verse 10, he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which I showed unto thy servant. For my staff I have passed over Jordan and now have become two bands. Jacob prayed with humility. First, he reminded God of what he had told him, that he was in the will of God. And then he prayed with humility. And he, he's been blessed. He's a wealthy man now. He left, he left a poor man, but he's come back a wealthy man. Amen. He's got many herds and, and cattle and goats and, and wealth, and, and he's, he's well positioned. But Jacob makes, takes no credit for his achievements. Uh, amen. He acknowledges that all the blessings in my life have come from you, God, and I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies. Uh, I'm not worthy of the least of your blessings. He, he comes to God in humility. That's what real worship's about. Amen. Another message for another day. Praise God. Verse 11 says, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. So Jacob gets down to what he's praying for. He prays for 
deliverance, remembering that 20 years ago Esau had promised to kill him. And Jacob feared that Esau and the 400 men that are coming to meet him are coming to carry out that threat. And he tells God, I'm afraid of him. Amen. I need deliverance from him. I need you to step in between me and him. Amen. First of all, I want you to know, God, I'm in your wheel. I'm doing what you told me to do. Amen. Secondly, I recognize your blessings in my life. I understand I didn't deserve any of this, but you blessed me abundantly. And finally, I want you to know I'm putting your tr- my trust in you, God. I'm afraid. Amen. Sometimes you just need to tell God, I'm a little worried about this. I'm a little concerned about this. Amen. I'm a little afraid of this. Amen. But when I know that I'm in your will and I know that you're taking care of me and I know that you're watching over me, then I can stand in the middle of my storm with confidence and cry out, deliver me, O God, because I know he's going to hear my cry. In verse 12, thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So Jacob reminded God of the covenant promise that he made. Once again, God doesn't need reminding. But Jacob is encouraging himself in the Lord. What do you need to do when you find yourself in that place where you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do in fear? The devil will always attack you first with fear. You can mark it down. It's always going to be that, that voice in your head. It's always going to be that, that fear that grips your heart. What do you do in that circumstance? Uh, you do what David did. Uh, you encourage yourself in the Lord. You do what Jacob did. You remind yourself uh, of the promises of God and the blessings of God. You go visit your memorial, amen, and you remember the last time God brought you out. The next morning, Jacob sent some of his servants ahead bearing gifts to Esau, and he sent them in groups one at a time. He spaced them out over intervals of time so there would be some distance between the time that they arrived at Esau. One got there, and then another would get there a little later, and another would get there. And he he laid upon them precious gifts and, 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 and wealthy possessions and all these things that were intended to make up and let his brother know how sorrowful he was. And so it was that as Esau is approaching, they'll come first one man, an ambassador from, from Jacob bearing rich gifts. And, and just a few minutes later, when you think that that, well, he's, he's going above and beyond, amen, just a few minutes later, there would come another one, and then another one, and then another one, and this went on all day long. And that night, Jacob sent his family members across the river, and he was left there alone at a place called Peniel. Do you know what Peniel means? It means, the fa- it means facing God. And the Bible said there appeared to him that night a man who wrestled with Jacob all night long. Some believe that the one that he wrestled with was an angel. Others believe it was a theophany or a visible manifestation of God. But Jacob believed. He said, I come face to face with God. Peniel, I faced God. I stood in his presence. 
Amen. I had an, he had an encounter with God that night that was like no other encounter he had ever had with God. Uh, and that night he made up his mind. Uh, amen. I'm going to finish this journey I started. Uh, I'm not leaving this place uh, until you bless me. Amen. I deceived my daddy out of a blessing that wasn't really rightfully mine. Uh, amen. But I'm not letting you go uh, until you give me a blessing uh, that belongs to me. Uh, amen. And Jacob demonstrated uh, a quality it held from his birth uh, persistence uh, and persistently he held on uh, and persistently he clung to that 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 being that he wrestled with all night long and he was determined not to let go until he was blessed you know the story God touches the hollow of his thigh Jacob will walk with a limp for the rest of his life but his name will forever be changed. It'll always cost you something. Amen. When you get down and get serious with God, you'll it'll, you'll walk away. I promise you. You may not. It may not be in your your physical gate, but you're going to walk away with a limp. Amen. There's going to be some evidence. Amen. That God's touched you. He's taken some things away from you. Amen. He's He's taken some things out of your life, but the blessings of God far outweigh. Amen. That that discomfort of change that takes place in your life. And what a dramatic and powerful change. No longer would it be known as Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. But his name was changed to Israel, which means God prevails. And the angel said, as a prince, thou hast found favor with God or, or the theophany or whatever it was. You found favor with God. Amen. From now on, you're going to walk with God. And you're going to walk in His presence. And in addition to the name, game, name change, he received a promise that he would have power with God and with men. So Jacob walked away from that encounter with God, having persisted and prevailed, and having received a new name and a new power both with his fellow man and with God. There's power, my friend, in persistent, prevailing prayer. Jacob could have quit at any point. This also is another message for another night. But Jacob could have stopped. He could have given in. He could have let go. But because he hung on, he got into another dimension of power that he'd never had before. Amen. Jacob's pursuit of God through repentance, which included a change of life and a prayer, paid off. And through his changed behavior, he positioned himself to receive God's blessings. And God's blessings overflowed in his life. They come to him not, not because he deserves it, but by the grace of God. Amen. And he began to receive the blessings that God had designed for him because he became open to them and put himself in a place that he could receive them. Jacob left that encounter and went to meet Esau. He still didn't know what his brother was going to do, but he's no longer ruled by fear. He doesn't know what Esau's plans are, but now he knows what God's plan is. And it really doesn't matter what Esau's plans are anymore. Amen. So when he gets to Esau, though, Esau has come out with this multitude because 
Uh, he's come to welcome his brother home. He's not come with murder in his heart, but he's come with uh, reconciliation at heart. And they're reunited and they're brought back together. The brothers are entering into a restored relationship. Listen, I'm coming to a close, but Jacob leaves that place and he continues to grow in his relationship with God. We'll find him, if you follow the story of Jacob, you'll find him later building an altar to God at a place called Shechem. And he called that altar El Elohi Israel, which means the mighty God of Israel. Later on, God will tell him to go back to Bethel. Remember, at, at that place where he saw that vision, he built that memorial. He built an altar there, and he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. But later in his life, God will tell him, you need to go back there and you need to revisit Bethel. And he goes back to Bethel, and there he builds a new altar. And do you know what he names a new altar? He names it El Bethel which means the God of the house of God. What's he saying? This is late in Jacob's life, and God, Jacob's remembering, this is where I met God, and this is where I encountered God, and this is where I discovered there was a God in the house. Uh, but now I know the God that's in the house. Amen? That second altar is a statement of relationship. Uh, amen? It shows us that Jacob never stops growing in this relationship that he has with God. I'll close with this. Human nature, and I said this earlier, resists the idea and the practice of prayer. I, I don't care how determined you are on Sunday night to go home and get your prayer life started back up again on Monday morning. Every devil in hell will meet you when the alarm clock goes off and do everything in its power to get you to hit the snooze button. I know it because I've lived it. Amen. Your flesh... It don't even know your flesh don't even need any help from hell. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. Amen. It doesn't want to. Why? Because flesh dies in prayer. The carnal man goes to an altar. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. But it's often when we fall into difficult places, trying times, that we realize the necessity of prayer. And then we pray fervently. Life's troubles have a way of sending people to their knees. Jacob's prayer of desperation forever changed his life. If you'd stand with me, I know I've been long. I'm sorry. I want you to remember, the next time you find yourself praying a desperate prayer, first of all, remember how Jacob prayed. Examine yourself. Am I in the will of God? Because that's paramount. Sister Heiser, if I'm not in the will of God, then I don't even need to go on with this prayer until I get things right between me and God. I got no business saying, God, deliver me until I, I put everything under the blood. Jacob first gets the will of God lined up. He reminds God of the blessing that he's promised him. He's reminded himself. Amen. What God's done. And then he prays for deliverance. And God delivers him. Amen. The next time you find yourself in a desperate place, praying a desperate prayer of deliverance, I want you to remember, Jacob, and consider the fact that this may be God's way of getting your attention. This may be God's way of reminding you that prayer really does matter, not just when you're desperate. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you.
thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost I felt. Lord, I, I thought I prepared a 30-minute lesson. I probably preached most of an hour. Amen. I thank you for that anointing. And I'm asking God that you allow it to influence us, that you allow it to touch our hearts, that you let it change us, God. Help us to remember the importance of prayer. When we're praying desperate prayers, it really matters that we have a relationship with you. Amen. Would you just ask him in the name of Jesus, Lord, help me be a better prayer warrior. Help me. If you haven't got a prayer life, amen, if you haven't got a set time of prayer, why don't you revive and renew that in your heart tonight? Amen.